and welcome to Asking Hard Questions, a podcast for arts educators where we explore ideas of cultural representation and appropriation. This podcast is recorded on Gadigal country in the Eora Nation and we pay respects to Elders past, present and emerging. We also acknowledge any First Nations people who are listening to us today. Sovereignty over this land was never ceded. This was, is and always will be Aboriginal land. Today, we're going to be talking a lot about dance and culture and the transmission of knowledge. And we acknowledge that dance and the transmission of culture has taken place on this land for thousands and thousands of years. And we offer this podcast in solidarity with First Nations people. I'm Rachel Jacobs. I am going to be your host today, and I have with me a very, very special guest. So I'd like to introduce Shawan Maharaj. Shawan is an incredible dancer. We actually met through a connection through Bollywood dancing. Shawan is Fijian, Indian and Filipino, and she is a dancer of many, many styles. And we're going to talk about a few of those styles today. She's also a teacher in Southwest Sydney, and she is also a pound instructor. But I can't wait for this podcast because this is really, really close to my heart. I am a Bollywood dancer. Uh, I am South Asian. My parents are from India and Bangladesh, and I grew up Bollywood dancing and watching Bollywood films in my own home, uh, often watching them with subtitles because my language was not transmitted to me. Uh, and so that was my first experience of dancing was it was a home experience. And now I run a dance studio, which is dedicated to Bollywood dancing. And I've met amazing people like Shawan on the way who have guided me, not just with the artistic form of dancing, but also in terms of the cultural factors and how we engage the wider Australian community in this incredible art form. And that's why we have decided to dedicate this episode to South Asian dance and to dancing in particular. But of course, you can apply these principles to a lot of different areas in the arts. Now, Shawan, that was pretty much the longest introduction ever. I'm sorry that went on so long, but thank you so much for joining us on Asking Hard Questions. No, thank you so much for having me, Rachel. I'm really excited to chat with you today. Tell me how you got involved in dance and where, I guess, your background in South Asian dance particularly came from. Sure. Um, so I grew up watching Bollywood films, but also music clips. So music clips are always playing, you know, we grew up watching Rage, um, Michael Jackson, Madonna, all that as well. So it was a matter of monkey see, monkey do, you know, um, connecting with the music through dance and expressing myself through the music. And then it was with the Bollywood films where my grandparents would sit us down and we would watch the Bollywood films where I'm like, oh, wow, this is you know, again, I, I'm quite like you where I actually don't speak Hindi or any of my mother tongues. And the one way I could connect with my culture was through mimicking the dances, learning the lyrics that I could pronounce from the songs um, and just still um, connecting with my culture through movement, dance and celebration. It's a really wonderful way, I guess, to connect with your culture and find your culture and things like that, especially because both me and you grew up in Australia. And so I guess for me, it was a way to understand my place in the world and why I looked quite different from my peers. I listened to different music at home. We had the watch these um these movies, we ate this weird food, and it was a way for me to situate myself. Um, how about for you? 
Um, no, I felt the same. So, I, you know, when I was growing up, there wasn't many Indians around, like when I would go to school and things like that. Um, so when I'd come home and my grandparents would sit me down and we'd watch Bollywood films, it was an insight to, oh, the community and connecting with um, other people in the community as well. When we'd, you know, go to the wedding functions or the parties, we would celebrate and, you know, we'd all learn the moves from the music. I don't know if you've had those moments where you recreate those. Totally, yeah. From the clip. Um, so, which was great because me not knowing the language, I could still communicate and partake in the culture, which was really important for me growing up. Yeah, and Sharlan, that's um, what you've said just articulates it really beautifully that I felt like I was part of something good and positive and things like that. And often when I was growing up, my culture seemed like a bit of a liability, like, you know, we called it NESB, non-English speaking background. I wonder if we we have never talked about this, actually. The reason I was never taught language is because my parents were told to bring your children up as Australian um, and you're not going to need your language anymore because they're going to speak English and that's the right thing to do. And I don't blame them because they were honestly thought that that was the right thing to do. How did the language thing happen for you? Well, that's funny because my household was the same. So my mum grew up speaking Tagalog and Warai, which is from the province where she's from, and my dad learned Hindi, then he ended up schooling in New Zealand. So he didn't actually take the Hindi with him and he experienced that schooling for himself. Um, we picked up phrases. We learned how to name, you know, important things like food. Um, but besides that, we weren't give, we didn't have the opportunity to practice the language. Therefore, we didn't pick it up. It didn't look like, it didn't feel or look like a, a disadvantage because we were succeeding in English schools. Oh, you've absolutely nailed it. Like it's kind of celebrated that you are succeeding in, you know, in Western language and, and things like that. So, you, you, you know, you get so many accolades for that. And I guess if we can go to dance now, for me, that lack of language and things like that, when I tell people that, no, I don't speak Hindi, it's like a big shock to them. They're like, but you're a Bollywood dancer, but uh, why not? And things like that. And I guess people don't have a sense of how we really came through an assimilation model to arrive at where we are today. Um, and I think there's kind of an expectation when I say to people, I'm a Bollywood dancer, of what I'm going to be like in terms of language and culture and also as a person. Do you have any experience of that as well? It's interesting because let's say people who are not from a Southeast Asian background, their experiences will be different whether they've grown up in small towns and have never gotten the opportunity to mingle or socialise with people from those backgrounds or they happen to meet one that speaks the language fluently and then the next one doesn't because we all have different experiences. Um, so it is interesting having to be questioned that and explain why my, I don't know how else to express this, but why my face doesn't match the way oh, I speak. <laughs> and there's many ways to be South Asian. So somebody else is going to have a totally different story to us. They're going to have language in multiple languages in their home. Uh, they're going to be fluent speakers. They're going to have to totally different experience to to what we did. Um, and I guess that's the danger of like a single story of expecting everybody from this one culture or one, you know, to be the same or to dance the same or to have the same story or anything like that. But I want to um, change topic a little bit. So lots of people want to engage in Bollywood dancing because it is so joyful, so colourful, so inviting. It is 
honestly, I started as a Western dancer, hip hop and contemporary were my styles. And I started doing Bollywood dancing and I felt a joy in the pit of my stomach that I have never felt. It just sort of took over my whole body. And that was it. I was gone. I was gone, Sharwin. <laughs> so, no, that, that's love. That's what oh, that is. <laughs> that's love. That's so beautiful. Um, what do you think it is about Bollywood dancing that's so inviting for the rest of the world? It, it, like you said, it's that joy, like that's the best way. Like it's not happiness. It's not, you know, it's that part I'm here to show off my movements, but I'm inviting you to show off with me. It's that joint party and you put on a display. So people who, let's say they cannot physically join you in dance, they still enjoy. The joy gets spread because they're watching the spectacle. They're enjoying the colours. It's all those little details that um, a lot of other people speak about when they describe Bollywood if they are not familiar with it. They talk about the glitz, the glamour, the hip shaking, you know, the smiles, the production. So it's all of that plus the cultural history that you're bringing along with you and that you're like showing into a mainstream environment or even showing to the next generation. That cultural history is absolutely vital, I, I think, and I know that we're on the same page with this. And that brings me to this discussion that we need to have about so how do we do it respectfully so um, I have a story that I want to tell is a teacher has emailed me really recently and it was a real moment for me because this teacher said uh, hi I'm from this area and they're from a regional country town we're doing a musical and we have a Bollywood number and so what we've done is uh, we've gone to YouTube and we found a couple of Bollywood uh, videos we found a Bollywood song and we've copied the moves from there and we've taught it to the kids and now it's part of our musical and she wrote to me for advice she said one of our students has said to me um, I think this is cultural appropriation and she said to me I'm in really stuck because show show the show is two weeks away and the, the kids have put a lot of work into it and she said I need to ask <laughs> And, and we're both teachers, right? So we know yeah. how much work goes into the musical. And she said, uh, I need to ask, if it, is what I've done okay? And I wrote back to her and I said, first and foremost, thank you for writing to me. And if one of your students has put up their hand to express that they are not comfortable or they're not sure or they know that term, cultural appropriation, you are doing an excellent job in your school. So I wanted to start from that point. Then I also said, I want you to know that there is a cultural history around everything that you saw on YouTube and all of the music that you heard. There is a transmission of, um, of culture, of story. There is power involved. And I don't think that you fully understood that by copying the moves from YouTube. And so she wrote back to me and I explained that, you know, everything we've talked about, this is my way to carry on my culture. This is also, there's a lot of ritual involved. There's a lot of tradition uh, that might be lost in your students. And she said, I believe I have missed a big teaching moment and we're still in touch today. So Sharwin, look, that was a really long story <laughs> to, to say that there are really some ways to go about learning Bollywood dancing. You're a teacher yourself. You're a teacher yeah. in schools. What what do you think when people say, I want to learn Bollywood dancing? What are your thoughts? Well, just from your story, I think it's great that that teacher reached out to someone who um, could provide her with um, authentic knowledge. So step one, we should be focusing more on what to do as opposed to we're constantly being told what not to do, what not to say, where not to go. Um, and we need to redirect that conversation to what to do, 
So people aren't so afraid to engage in the culture. So step one, great that she actually wants to include something Bollywood in their item. Step two, possibly she should have reached out before the item was made to get that authentic experience, which, you know, as a teacher, it is a lot easier to do a quick Google search. And especially with funding and things like that, we completely understand the restraints within teaching and you want to give the kids an authentic and good experience. Um, as well as, yeah, the research. Um, I myself, as well as you, don't speak the language. So before I even pick a song for my routines, I Google what I can, the translations. Oh, yeah. I try to look at where, what movie or what culture or what part of India the music has come from so I can convey that within my dancing. And I'm not dancing about, you know, I'm not playing a song about heartbreak when I'm trying to celebrate a wedding scene. Yeah, it's there's so much to it, you know, there's so much to it, which is why going and engaging authentically is really is really the key, isn't it? You know, I think so. And I guess there's a, a message there that for us, this is a culture, it's not a costume. Uh, it's not, yeah, it's not something that we put on. And I actually know from one of our previous conversations, the word costume kind of grates with you. Yeah. Tell us about that. If I was someone who said, Charlene, what an amazing costume you have. What does that trigger inside you? Oh, see, I've done incursions. I performed at weddings, engagements, and I get that every event. Um, and I think it's also a translation thing too, because I get it from both sides of the community, within the community and from people who are spectators of the community. And when they use the term costume, it makes me feel like I've gone to a costume store, like we would for Halloween, and I've purchased the item number three Bollywood dancer item off the rack, where it, which is that's not the case. These are really expensive items that my family has invested in um, that I've chosen to wear at my functions, such as um, weddings, engagements, family dinners, pujas, which is the Hindu prayer ceremonies. So it's something from my wardrobe that I would wear as a part of my daily life, not something that I put on to play an Indian or play the character of a Bollywood dancer. Although as a dancer in general, you do put on a persona, you do have that character. And it's just changing that vocabulary or language to oh where's your clothing from tell me more about it and that, I use that opportunity to educate not to um punish or anything like that you know I can't I just identify with this so much and and that you I love that you use it as an opportunity to educate because we are both educators let's just quietly say though how exhausting is it to educate all the time I guess it's always up to us right yeah and even like there's another story where I was um, doing a corporate function. So it was their end of year Christmas party and they did do a Bollywood theme event. So and I acknowledge that I profit off being that novelty. They're hiring me as the gimmick, the novelty, the entertainment. Um, so I guess maybe in that sense, the fact that they gave me that platform was great. And they did ask me questions about, you know, Bollywood dancing and how long I've been doing it. And they did try to get to know me, which was great. They gave me that platform to express myself and then as the party went on there was a moment of you know people stopping costumes and items and clothing things like that and this one woman there was a man who came in he was in a Indian groom's clothing so he had the suit he had the hat and then a woman grabbed the hat off him put it on her head and she was like look at me I'm a Punjabi and I was oh. like oh, okay Ooh. yeah so you feel that and it's just a moment of okay like I've constantly had been having to forgive or be open-minded from the age of five of oh they they don't know they weren't they didn't grow up in this environment or they weren't told or their parents didn't tell them or but there comes a point where you live in Sydney which is such a multicultural and diverse area 
And I think... But I think you're right. We are very, we, we do always have to be really forgiving and really invite other people in. Um, and it is labour. My God, when you said the word gimmick, like that, that cut at my heart, because that's how I feel sometimes when I'm booked. That's how I feel sometimes when I'm at a school is that that school, um, you know, I either need to brighten up the culture there or provide some diversity, or they have a lot of Indian students at the school that don't feel celebrated or don't feel represented or, or whatever in, in the current teaching faculty. So you're there to fill this purpose. That's often a gap, like there's a deficit there and you're invited to fill that. But I love the way that you frame, you know, let's always talk about what you can do and um, how we can invite people in respectfully, because the flip side of that is I personally have experienced so many people who do do the labour and do want to respectfully engage. I have one woman who comes to my dance classes and she says, if you are a cultural tourist, uh, Rachel's class is not for you. Uh, this is for travellers who want to engage in a cultural journey of learning that takes place over time and things like that. And I was like, oh, wow, she's actually a Russian background heritage herself. And I was like, well, that is, that's a really good summation that this is a, yeah, cultural journey. Yeah. It's not, again, again that awful word of costume to try on or whatever. Um, tell us about some of the journeys that you've been on, I guess, in your dance life or who's who's come along to you to learn that you've just absolutely loved. Oh, so many. I've taught from six-year-olds to 60-year-olds and just being allowed to have that space to express that part of my cultural identity has been really empowering. Um, that's something I would like to bring up too, like the fact that you're if you have the opportunity or would like the opportunity to engage in the culture, try to do find someone who's from that culture. And I'm not saying people who are not Southeast Asian cannot do Bollywood. My point is we're here to celebrate and teach you our culture. And I've grown up with my grandparents, you know, introducing me to Bollywood dancing. And for every time I've been told to not be Indian or to go back to where I've come from or for every opportunity where, I haven't, I've been a bit, you know, teased and gotten a bit of the, you know, the accent and whatnot from sort of the people who don't welcome it. But every time you book someone who's authentic to share their culture, you're sort of undoing that, I don't know, trauma or those moments or those negative moments where I've been told to, like, you know, um, I've been booked for cultural events, for communities. I've, I'm about to go on stage in my cultural gear and I've had a bit, you know, the sly comments of people walking past. And it's just that conflict of like, I want to be, you know, an advocate for this, but um, it's also hurting me. <laughs> yeah. And you, yeah, and you do it. And that's, you know, part of the experience that we take on. And there's an element that's not fair, but there is also a lot of good that can be done through the arts. You know, like you said, for every person who authentically engages, you are taking away that trauma. Uh, you're taking away the traumas of, you know, the colonised past as well that didn't value these things and now finds them, you know, a curiosity or whatever. You're making it, you know, an engaging part of, uh, part of your life. Sharwin, I've got some quick fire questions to finish with and then I absolutely want to talk about where we can learn some very, very, very special art from you. So these quick fire questions are questions that I get all the time and we might have a difference of opinion to our listeners 
um, or like from each other. Me and you might have a different opinion and that is okay. That's actually quite important so that our listeners understand that not all, not all South, South Asian people think the same and things like that. So Sharwin, can somebody who is not South Asian wear a sari? What are your thoughts? If the occasion is correct and if you learn how to wear your sari respectfully from someone who can teach you authentically, yes. I agree. Uh, yeah, I believe that you can, anyone can wear a sari. Uh, but yeah, we ask you to wear it appropriately. Again, you know, not as a costume or a funny thing. Uh, it's not a costume. Uh, this is actually worn by yeah, um, close to a billion people. So, but, but yeah, I absolutely agree. Okay, quick, quick fire question number two. If you are not Hindu, can you wear a bindi? This one's tricky and I don't have a solid answer. In my experience, this is my experience as well, my daddy, which is my father's mother, had a, an Indian sari shop. And she, when anyone would walk in and anyone could purchase anything from her. In fact, she enjoyed decorating, if I could use that word, decorating people who are not of our culture with the bangles and the bindis. So from our viewpoint, yes, because we welcomed it and we celebrated it. We're like, thank you for coming to us to ask us about our culture. And she would just dress you head to toe if she could. <laughs> wow. Wow. And that was an act of love, you know. Absolutely. I have the same answer. Uh, so, and acknowledging there is complexity, there are some people who would say no, absolutely not, not ever. And there would be other people who'd be like, why on earth not? Okay. I generally say if you are not from that religion, you probably shouldn't wear that religious symbol. Um, so the same goes for turbans and, and things like that. Unless somebody from that religion um, has invited you in to do that. So I have friends who are Hindu before I go, um, you know, before I go to the wedding, they're like, come on, get over here and get your binti on and, and things like that. And and that's um, it, they, it's a mark of respect. Um, that I would engage in that way. My last quick fire question that I get asked very often is, wow, Shawan, it's all so hard and complex. Why is it so hard and complex? Why aren't there any easy answers? I, I don't have an easy answer for that one. Um, I will let you know when I find no, out because <laughs> this is a journey that I've been going on and I'm, I'm 31. This is an ongoing journey. I've been trying to find my people to discuss this with. <laughs> Um, so I think if you're willing to go on the journey with us, you're invited. I think that's, I love it. Same answer from me. That's because there are no easy answers because things that change and evolve and something that might be acceptable now might not be acceptable in the future. And so some people say to me, oh, but, but, you know, 20 years ago, um, I was able to wear a bindi and that wasn't a problem. And you're like, well, culture and knowledge and power structures do change and um and evolve and we are witnessing a deconstruction of power of whiteness and um of the west and a questioning of colonial values at the moment which is one of the reasons that we have this podcast called asking hard questions um so my final question not a quick fire question at all but Shawan, i want to learn pound anyone who doesn't know pound i think you should go and google it uh, a lot of people have made a comparison between pound and dandia, which is a, a form of um, South Asian dance uh, as well. But tell us about pound because it looks so amazing. It's one of the best things you could ever do. <laughs> what has it done for your life? Um, it's 
so it's um thank you for bringing up that comparison with Dundia because I've gotten those comments as well. Um, so Pound is a cardio drumming workout that did start in LA in 2011. And what I love about it is any age can participate um, and any ability. So there's a range of movements that you can do. Um, and it's one of those workouts where when words fail, let the body and mind take over, you know, express yourself through the music, through the drumming. And that link with the dandia is really important too, because the dandia movement is drumming and dance in unison as a community and the link with that is the same with pound so pound you will as opposed to that you see squats lunges we're doing crunches so you are going to get some body sculpting out of pound so it is a workout but it's the whole mind body and soul workout it's working that inner rock star you won't see befores and afters it's not about weight loss it's about what you gain from the workout um, and if you'd like to join me i am teaching at oran park um, my gym is called Primo Fit and I teach every Tuesday at 7pm. You can also Google, there are many, many different um, pound classes you can take around Australia. Oh, that's so awesome. I'm a music teacher as well. So just the fusion of rhythm and dance and the way you described it is, you know, the unifying factor of movement and rhythm together. I, I, I can't wait. I'm going to be coming to Oran Park. So get ready. So Shawan Maharaj, it has been such a pleasure to talk to you. Thank you so much for coming on Asking Hard Questions. Thank you so much to our audience for listening. There'll be a new episode up soon around a new issue to do with with cultural appreciation and cultural appropriation in an educational context.